Episode of Blindcast. Um, we have a guest with us today. I'll go ahead and let Andrew Rain do the introductions, since you probably know him best. This is my brother, uh, Jess. He's uh, well, I've known him my entire life. <laughs> He's uh, are you like ten years older than me? So Eight. he he was out of the house when uh, like like prominent times. So I always, I mean, Jess was like superhero. I always like looked up to him and. He uh, recently just moved back to Spokane area, so it's been really good times to have him around, and like I get to see him all the time, and we wanted to have him on because well, he's my brother. So was there ever a time when you were in your adolescent stage where you threatened to go live with your brother? No, but as soon as I graduated high school, I lived with Jess in Florida for a summer for three months. Me and my other brother, Jess, or excuse me, Jake... We lived there for, really, they're all summer long. We had an awesome time. That was the only time I lived there. Mm-hmm. But Jake lived with Jess for like 10 years after that. <laughs> he lived with me almost every summer for probably six. Not the summer. Oh. After the summer. Because he oh, worked in yeah. Alaska. Excuse me. Yeah, so he was there most of the time. He yeah, was only gone time. in the yeah, summertime. That's true. Well, we also have Chris here. Yep. We have you weren't on the last podcast, but nope. we got you back. We got you back for this one. Tell us real quick what you did to your bow last night. Oh yeah. Well, since we got you here, we spot. were shooting it yesterday, and I was in the beginning of the shooting. I was shooting good, and towards the end, I was kind of fluctuating, hot, low, up and low, up and down. So then I went to my house to change my peep sight. I like how we tied it, and I. I accidentally cut my string. So you thought your peep sight was moving? I think it was moving because we re, re, we retied them. So uh, yeah, I cut my string on accident. Idiot. Yeah, I got a new string coming. <laughs> I think it'll be your friend. But yeah, and we're trying to go to do a three three D shoot on the twenty seventh, yeah. and it's the second. But you yeah. built your own right. bow press, right? Yeah. So uh, it's not that. You can just buy a string. It'll be here Friday. I'll replace it. Are you gonna I'll do same good. colors? Same colors. Well, I think it's out. I think that's why I ordered. So. Okay, because you we'll had see. a cool bowstring. It was like black yeah. and yellow. It was black and orange. Black and orange. Well, Maybe I think we blind. should take some measurements on that bow that you have, mm-hmm. and order a new string for that one too. Because it's starting, it's got some errors on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to replace it. Well, speaking of that, I started shooting compound bows for the first time in my life Saturday. Mm-hmm. And yeah. If anyone uh, follows Instagram, you'll you'll see the. Uh, I learned like really quick not to straighten your arm, which is so weird because I'm thinking about like shooting pistols and I'm straightening my right arm for a pistol. And I, I'm thinking the same thing because I'm holding the bow with my left arm. And I'm thinking, okay, put it straight. You, know, you can hold it straight with your arm straight like that, like locked out, steadier. But Alex told me before I did that, he said, hey, don't hold your arm straight. So I was like, yeah, whatever. Smack! It skimmed you the first time. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of tender. So like, the second or third time, I really put the hurting on it, and it, I just said, ow, and it raised up about an inch and a half off my arm, 
And my arm, my forearm still looks like Popeye from this thing. Like, looks like I'm really strong. The but second it's... time that you did it and you actually hit yourself, like, I figured it was kind of uh, <laughs> a rite of passage. I didn't really <laughs> yep. make fun of you too much. But, I'm, you know, kind of, you do it once and you learn. Yep. And on the third time, I, I couldn't help myself. And I, <laughs> I was just belly laughing at him. I'm like, I, I don't know what else to tell you. I've, 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 told you, I've told you about three times now. And you've been hit three times. And I've, <laughs> I've shot, I've shot it without Alex there, and I've still done it to myself. So I don't know when I'm gonna learn, but it's n- not anytime soon. I think you should just go buy an arm guard. I yep. probably should. I, it'll mess me up too, because I'll be like ready to shoot, and I'll look down at my arm, yeah. which is straight. And I'll be like, oh. <laughs> and then you'll jump forward. Yeah. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you see, is it there? Can you see it? Oh, yeah, you can still it. Yeah, you can see it. <laughs> it's like a That big is a softball. <laughs> you can see where the string hit. Look. It's crazy see how line? round it was right away. Yeah, it was raised so much. Yeah. It was like... Well, your boat's cranked down, what, 70 pounds too, isn't it? Yeah, well, it wasn't, and then we cranked it back down to 70, and you, you did it once when it was backed off, and then another time when it was... When it was at, at full power, 70. that one hurt. Uh, it put the fear of the bowstring enemy, but then I forgot and about it. And then you were it. afraid of the bowstring? No, then I forgot oh. about the bowstring and did it again. But the worst thing is, is I was like putting him on the target at 30 yards, then we messed around with the sight, and now I can't do it right. Have you shot since last night? No, I didn't shoot it today. Well, yeah, that but your arrow flight is really nice, which is like the, the, the key part. Like, your arrows are flying nice. You just gotta sign it in, though. Yeah. the rest. And we had you close last night. Yeah. yeah. Jess, you shot a crossbow first time tonight. What'd you think? I was really surprised at how little the felt, you know, tension was when I loaded it. Yeah. Um, and then it was really intuitive. It was just like shooting any, like a firearm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, it has like some kind of a reflex sight of some sort. Yeah, like a red, three dot, red dot sight. Yeah. yeah. So it ranges it pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. And you have quite a bit of experience with firearms. You were in the military for... 20 years. 20 years. And I grew up hunting. Grew up hunting. So what, you... what branch were you in? Navy. Navy. And I worked my career with the Marine Corps. So we the uh, Marine Corps doesn't have their own medical staff. So I'd get stationed with them and then do their medicine. Yeah, so what was your job in the Navy? I was a corpsman. So I do like medicine for And he had some months. really cool jobs. I like did. you'd had like you were like tell 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 talk about that a little bit. So I joined the military and at during my eighteen, right? At 18, right out of high school. Yeah. And I turned nineteen in boot camp because I was like an, the older kid in the school because I have an October birthday. And uh so cool, coolest birthday ever. It's like smack dab hunting season oh yeah october 13th so that's yeah i i gotta tell the story real quick dad when like jess was born like he brought him back and he said he like went down and shot some ducks right yeah yeah he like brought jess back to the house went down to the lake that my parents live on and snuck some ducks (laughs) it's like the coolest thing (laughs) it's that whole like adage like you shouldn't like you like when you on uh on February 14th, don't get too busy because your hunting season's in nine months. Well, nine months later, just. <laughs> <laughs> well, when my daughter was born, 
by my wife. Oh yeah, same heaven. day. <laughs> my, my wife got blown <laughs> heaven. Uh, the you know false alarms, Braxton Hicks. Uh, so she thought she was going into labor. Well, the day she was actually born, I was out bass fishing. <laughs> And there was no reception, so I had like 14 missed cell phone calls. Oh, God. I made it there on time. The uh, best thing about well. that is Chris, for his his recently born daughter, he couldn't go out of like more than 30 minutes out of town. No, I can't go too far Like out. he was on lockdown because yeah. of that same reason. Yeah, we had to be within 45 or 30 minutes. Where were we going? It had to be a phone service within a certain range. <laughs> so like we would get out there and then like, hey, you want to hit this spot up? And it was like clearly out of Chris's range. He's like... Yeah, we'll just go a little fast. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell kids. Because we went out to the Ritzville spot. Yeah. And like, there was, he's like, I don't have service. We need to walk this fast and yeah. get out of here. <laughs> here yeah. We're out there for like two hours. Yeah. I saw, yeah. We, we follow a lot of um, other like hunting um, handles on Instagram. And did you see the one where this wife posted a note that her husband had left her? And it was, it said, this is the last day of hunting season Please do not have the baby today. Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> so there's a letter to his pregnant wife. Like That's funny. Don't have the baby today because this is like the last day of hunting season. That's funny. <laughs> I did see a meme today that reminded you, Alex. You know that one where it's Kermit the Frog and he's sipping on like tea? And it's like, oh, yeah. give a F guy. <laughs> well, he, it was uh, him sitting there and he goes, I'm just going to sit here and drink what my coffee while you you guys put out the duck decoys and it reminded me of you <laughs> very I'm, much i'm guilty yeah, i'm definitely guilty he likes I'll, he likes I'll, to go in fast and silent no way well i'm yeah. packing along like huffing and puffing and sweaty and hot hey, i've been packing some gear yeah this you year. packed plenty I've of packed gear. gear this year which i have the way i have waiters and decoys but the they're both in, in montana at my parents place and he, so leaves, them there. And he leaves them there but you should have seen him the, have them. the first and only time he brought in any gear into <laughs> the uh, the lake this year. When he got back to the truck, he was throwing his hat on the ground and cursing and kicking the dirt. <laughs> well, I, spent, I spent the night and I packed in, and then it like rained, didn't it? It got all wet. It, and got, it snowed. It, 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 it snowed. It snowed, right. snowed yeah. that night. Yeah, it was definitely. So much stuff benefits not to being the guy that doesn't have the gear because <laughs> you don't buy it or maintain it. <laughs> Yeah, I just buy the beer for the exactly. boy or whatever. Yeah, we don't drink when we're hunting. What are you talking about? Drink when we're After. fishing. After. Fishing. Drink when we're fishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead, keep going. About uh, your, uh, your military career. Oh, yeah, you cool. <laughs> yeah, I jacked it. So, <laughs> I went to like boot camp and I became a, went to Corman School, learned how to do medicine, and then I learned how to do, uh, you know, work with the Marines, so it's called FMF, Fleet Marine Force. Uh, or FMSS, uh, and they taught me how to work with the Marines, and then I worked in a hospital for a while, and then... Which, that was a cool hospital you were at. It was. You were at the Bethesda, right? Bethesda. The President Hospital, or what, I forget hospital. what that's called, yeah. National Naval Medical Center. Oh, that's cool. So that was cool. And then I transferred down right after 9-11 to um, uh, North Carolina in Cherry Point area, and then deployed almost immediately to the invasion of Iraq for Iraqi freedom and got to work with EOD for a long time, which is, uh, explosive ordnance disposal. Oh, and wow. that was a really fun deal. Cause you're in a very small group, mm-hmm. one corpsman, two Marines that are EOD techs, and then a security detail. Mm-hmm. And we did what's called route clearance. And so you just, 
Yeah, so what do you do when you're doing the, a route clearance? Like, what's the... Well, you, you're just... The steps there. Either going to a IED or an unexploded ordinance, and then what they call safing it. You just, they would either dispose of it, make it so it's inert, or, uh, you know, not dangerous anymore, take the blasting cap out or something like that, or, or the fuse. Or they blow it in place, and mm. then, you know, make it so people can drive on the roadways again or if it's in the field it's safe you know or get rid of it but we find massive caches of weapons when we were out there wow so, so you, you were kind of the medical staff with this group mm -hmm. right so you'd fall in behind and uh, you weren't actually the guy that was diffusing any of the no you were... no no you know we were we work as a team so i'd usually do like communication uh you know maintain the equipment uh, I didn't actually like walk down with a bomb suit, mm -hmm. but you were right there with him. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, not yeah. next to the bomb suit. I know, but oh, yeah. you're rolling there. the same. Yeah, yeah. With those guys. Oh my goodness, yeah. Because you're, you know, only. A I mean, couple. imagine it was not just one guy going out in in a bomb suit. I mean, they have a team of people that are helping them out. Like I, I just described it. So it's yeah. the yeah. two EOD techs, <clears throat> myself, and then a security detachment. Yeah. So they would provide like what they would say internal security mm -hmm. and then when we get there usually there would have be some kind of a <clears throat> external security like a convoy already there so they'd safe the area and then our guys would be what they call angel watch or internal security and then <clears throat> i would usually perform the role of communicating with whatever unit is there whether it's army or mm -hmm. civilians or who, it doesn't matter because we would show up and then defuse the bomb or make it safe and that was that was like your second deployment my first deployment and my second deployment and then my third i would just with an infantry unit and we did um security patrols and like uh what's it called we security patrols we just make sure you know go out and we stay in one location on one side of a um a barge or like on one side of a bridge and we just make sure that there was nobody doing anything that they weren't supposed to make sure people weren't transporting illegal firearms or anything like that ordinance and, and then for fourth one which is when i got pepper that was, i went to afghanistan okay on my fourth trip yep. yeah and i was with the first recon battalion and at that time i no longer was Actually, doing the stuff on the ground, I was in charge of the medical unit. So, but that was like like the pimp shit one. Yeah, it was really cool. We did a lot of really neat stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're and it was the very last time that any full battalion strength reconnaissance, you know, unit deployed to Afghanistan. Well, at that time, yeah, it might be there now. I don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah. I always kind of brag a little bit about yeah. you because you're always doing that that kind of stuff. So. It's kind of cool to talk about it with some other people, because I, I, I don't know if it, <clears throat> these guys, I think, I, I mean, I haven't, because I don't know everything, but it's kind of fun for other people to hear. Yeah, yeah, it is, and I got a lot of really awesome training and got to meet tons of people, so I feel like I have, you know, got the opportunity, especially when it comes to firearms and yeah. you to, all that kind of stuff, I get the opportunity to use all mm -hmm. that stuff. You had pretty cool jobs, some pretty cool jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Was uh, at times it was a pretty stressful. When oh you're yeah. The field. yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, for all different kinds of reasons. Um, I always kind of thought it was 
You know, and you're getting ready to go on a hunting trip. You know, you're up early, and you, everything's got to be pretty well planned out. You mm-hmm. can't just like show up all willy nilly. What does the planning look like for that? Is I mean, is it? Oh, it's you're not. Intense. Are you out every day, or or is there a downtime where you're doing the planning, and then you're you got these operations you're doing, then you're going back and doing planning, or kind of so how does they, that? Flow? They break the training down. They individual training, like you know, they teach you how to do your job, or be in the military and then do your job. And that's how they, they do it. And then once you become in a, in a unit, they do individual skills. So you learn how to like fire your firearm and use your radio and stuff. And then you do small unit uh, training. So it would be like a fire team or something like that. And then a little bit larger, like a squad, battalion strength. And then, you know, it goes all the way up until you're doing like meth level training, which is, you know, thousands and thousands of people. Um, doing like an invasion or something. Uh, so when we do it, like a mission, um, yeah. So like it's for example, really broke down. Uh, yeah, I, you're, I, you're, you're on your first uh, deployment. Like, yeah, yeah. Talk about like, so, a step for your first, like your mission that you went on. Maybe like, your first one that you did. Yeah. Well, the thing is that, that they train you before you even leave, and so you do everything the same way that you would on a deployment, but. For if you were going to go on a, on a mission in country, um, you break it all down, and we do like sand maps, and you might spend a week talking about going and doing that mission. If you were going to drive, you know, from Al Assad to Tikrit or something, you would everybody would know the route, everybody would know every call sign, every every frequency to get a hold of different people along the way, all the military assets along the way. Um, everybody would know everybody's whatever you, you know what everybody's job is along the way um, before every single mission we'd you know talk about what our rules of engagement are um, it's the training is you know ten times as much as the actual mission so, right so you for what would you this like a, a good ratio of like planning and training versus the actual task that you're doing he said it 10 to 1 10 to 1 unless you're doing especially if you're like with reconnaissance battalion but if you're doing daily security patrols i was doing like every day i would do like three patrols and they were between five and ten clicks which is like you know like maybe almost like a kilometer and so Back to if you were doing metric it, stuff. If you were doing three a day. <laughs> What's that in beers? Yeah. <laughs> you were here with that one. Yeah. But the last, the last podcast, I gave the guy some crap because he was talking in metrics. Oh, yeah. Well, it's less than a mile. Let's just yeah. say that. But, uh, you know, it just it really depends on, on if you're doing it every day. Because the very first time you do a security patrol, you know, which is kind of like if you were to walk around your your block mm-hmm. you spend a whole lot of time doing all the setup but then if it becomes repetitive you still need to know all the information you still break it down before you leave but a lot of the details have already been worked out and we usually don't need like air assets because that stuff has to be worked out days weeks in advance or <clears throat> whatnot. well i'm going to rewind you back a little bit to so. When you started hunting with dad, because I don't know when you started, because I was, I was a baby, so I don't really know too much of when you and dad went hunting, because you and dad hunting was different than me and dad hunting, so I, I, I wanted to know, like, talk about when you kind of started and how that kind of went, and maybe well, your, your first few, like, 
big uh, harvests or what you know whatever like that yeah i'd love to talk about it so um hunting for me growing up was walking down to the lake i was really blessed so we have a, a lake that we lived on and there's less people who lived on it then less too. people then and so um and this i is... had to be like maybe five and i had a five? Oh yeah <laughs> or not much older than that you know i didn't go down first thing in the morning but somebody would take me down and i'd show up when i was really young and i'd have either my red rider or a little patane gun i had um it was wooden not the one i made later on oh. but i is it, had is one. it dead, dead shop that wooden gun no it, it wasn't that one it might have it was like the it was kind of like that but that, that one's gone and then, um, I guess I, I went to Hunter's Education when I was either 8 or 10, whenever it was first off. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think it used to be 8, anyways. Was maybe it was just 10. And uh, I got my hunting license, and I shot my first goose when I was 10. That's sweet. That was really nice. cool. With 20 gauge over and under. Okay. I had 22 Magnum on the top and a 20 gauge on the bottom. Is that that? Do you still have that gun? The Savage, yeah. The Savage? That's like the oh. Trapper Special. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like the Grouse. Yeah, the Grouse Magnum. Yeah. yeah, my grandfather. I feel like back home, like, if you were just out of uh, hunter safety and like that first year and you came to school and you had a story about shooting a goose, you were like top dog. And it took me, I felt like forever to shoot a goose. So that's. Shooting at 10 is sweet. I told oh, you, that thing was feel, like... Oh, I still am so proud of that goose. Yeah, super <laughs> proud. I told you guys about my first goose that I, I'm almost positive now that my dad shot it. <laughs> but it was it was on... It was Don't on, take this from him. <laughs> like, no, he, he probably got it. But I'm saying that dad shot that goose. I, I finished it off. There you go. But uh, he, he, he shot that goose. It was right down by the Santa Cans. And we probably shot at the same time, and I probably shot way over here, but he probably <laughs> hit the goose. And I was like, yeah, that's my goose, Dad. <laughs> and he was nice enough to be like, oh, yeah, son, that's a good goose there. <laughs> so, some of the stories Andrew tells is about being in the duck blind with your with you guys' dad, and there was a saying that what happens in the duck blind stays in the duck blind. This is true. <laughs> is there anything that you could share on the podcast of what... Uh, I mean, you're you're no. growing up. You don't have to break that rule. I'm sure your dad can't get in trouble with your mom anymore. Well, yeah. it was more like like you just said. It was like we'll call this the duck. Point. Maybe you could talk about yeah. it, but uh, don't tell your mom. Was basically, I think, kind of what what happens in the duck blind stays in the duck blind. I think that's true. I also kind of took it because uh, when we went, when I went hunting, and whenever we went hunting, it kind of got to be treated like one of the guys, not. You know, you're still like, you know, with the son or whatever, but you were you could really hear the cursing yeah. and all the, the manliness. So you could really kind of, you know, I mean, you still had to be respectful and not complain about being cold, but at the same time, you were one of the guys, so you, yeah, know, got, you. you got to be in on some of the 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 adult conversation. Right. So it was, it was conversation, a little, like a couple nippers here and there later on, maybe. Oh yeah. For sure. The nippers drinking a little bit. Definitely. Definitely in the turkey blind. Uh, I probably didn't have that part, but 
definitely the conversation piece. I was telling so you, by the time you came through, they were like, <laughs> 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 Unless maybe Mark Grigsby gave him some maybe. Yeah, Mark Grigsby probably was feeding you beers, like full <laughs> No, beers. no, no. Dad didn't drink beer, so neither, neither should his kids at that time. I, I didn't, think. we don't drink very many, much, but I definitely, when we're fishing, though, the uh, the the flask gets passed around a little mm-hmm. bit, but when the firearms are involved, not so much. Uh, but if it's just a fly rod, eh, that's mm-hmm. why Alex wears his sunglasses all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and when we go salmon fishing, we've had um, typically what we do is after the first catch, we'll have a celebratory beer. Yep. Well, sometimes you got to get up at like four to be on the water and fishing by 4.30s, and sometimes the bite is like right when you drop in the water. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of times by 5 o'clock, you've had your first celebratory yeah. beer. Uh, when I went salmon fishing yeah. with you, I didn't have any beers. No, yeah. we had... <laughs> you're not lucky, you're not lucky. <laughs> <laughs> we, we when that happens, you have a dry spell, you got to try to break the... Yeah, you got to start drinking. You got to start drinking. Break the ice. Break the ice, yeah. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Blindcast. We're going to take a quick break. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take a second and look at what's on top of your head. Is it an old, crusty ball cap? If it is, you need to upgrade right now. I want you to take a break. I want you to go to PaloosePrairie.com, and I want you to look at all their hat selection. And I not only want you to upgrade, I want you to upgrade at a discount. So our friends at PaloosePrairie.com gave us a sweet promotion, 20% off your first purchase. That's 20% off your entire purchase. And all you got to do is at checkout, enter in promotion code BLINDCAST. So go right now, buy yourself a a nice fresh ball cap, and then come back and we'll finish the podcast. I think I heard about a, a, you might have been a a morning beer, you know, like not AM, but morning the loss of your uh, fly rod. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) That was a rough day. That was a rough day. That was so sad. Because was that when we were on the we were on the the North Fork, right? the North Fork yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. No, we were on the little, the little yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how do you break that? Uh, I just I bent my rod to kind of like pull the the line out. Oh yeah, because I I think I probably got a wind knot or something, and I snapped it, and I like on like immediately my like <laughs> I was so excited for the day. <laughs> I was going fishing. And I haven't, I, at that time, I really hadn't fished with you guys that much. So I was still trying to, like, be cool. <laughs> I wasn't cool that day. Yeah. And broke this thing, and I, like, walked over to Alex, my deputy dog face. I was so sad. I guess I'm rowing today. <laughs> and, you know, not, I don't know, 20 minutes later, I had a new rod, which yeah. was good. We, we, there was a fly, fly shop right on the river. Yeah. And I was... Kind just past of, the snake pit. Yeah. Yep. I was kind of excited because I knew, I, I figured that this place wasn't going to have like a rod for less than 150 to $300. And I was telling Chris, I was like, oh, whatever, whatever. I ended up getting a pretty good rod for a lot less, which I was, was excited that, was for. Was it like $100 or a little more than $100, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. It, they, want, they were selling it as like a kit, but yeah. I just wanted the rods. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got a good deal. Uh, was there a little bit of you that was not sad that you had to buy a new rod? No, that <laughs> and the fact that you were at a, like a pristine like a, like a fly shop that probably no. only has high class rods. I was... You're like, shoot, 
I just have to I have to buy a high yep. class rod. I was super sad because that was the first rod that I had ever bought fly rod that I had ever bought myself and I had caught the most fish on that rod. So I was super sad. With the Cabela's rod. Yeah, it was a Cabela's yep. RLS. I had the same, the same exact one. Great rod. Yep. I mean, not that expensive, but it will just slay the fish. And when I lost it, I was sad. I kept the uh, the bottom oh. part of it with the um, you know the the handle and mm-hmm. the, the real seat as a souvenir. I don't know if I'll ever get rid of it. As a reminder. Yeah, that that is like I've caught so many fish on that rod yeah. that. You I'm going to have to catch more fish on my, like, many other rods now. That now that I have more money, I've bought up more rods. Yep. You should take, uh, put a, a fly swatter on the end of it. Oh, there a fly go. swatter? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, go ahead. We, we've, uh, we've interrupted you once again. Let's so, see. You're, uh, you're in the duck blind. Okay, well, we're in the duck blind. I absolutely love to the duck blind, you know, we, like, kind of. Wake up super early, get out there cold and wet, and uh, talk story and get the opportunity to shoot passing ducks, which I, I absolutely love the adrenaline duck hunting because you're, you know, a lot of preparation and then you're waiting, waiting. Which we waiting. didn't get you out there very much this year. It was kind of a bummer. But you know, there's always next year. This Even next year's year, going to be hot. You've only been here for about a year, haven't you? Back, well, I got here in October. Spokane. Yeah. Yeah, so, so not even a year. We shot some geese together this year. Well, Andy shot geese, I shot at geese. <laughs> we shot geese together. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. So from bird hunting, did you do any upland while you were in... Oh, yeah. We uh, well, I think you guys have all met my Uncle Larry. Mm-hmm. So we go over to Grand Coulee and shoot or go hunting for doves and quail and pheasant uh, down there. And I absolutely love all three, uh, especially... Well, I guess I, I can't say especially any of them because dove hunting is just absolutely oh, fun. So fun. Quail hunting couldn't be any more fast paced, and also there's a, a kind of a relaxed feeling whenever you're going quail hunting. And well, now, pheasants are beautiful. Yeah. Andrew said you you're gonna maybe raise some quail. I am raising quail. That'd be cool. How did you decide to raise quail? Raise and quail. what are you raising them for? Well, um, so I, we moved up here, like I said, in September, and part of the move was we wanted to give everybody the opportunity to to raise animals like farm animals and uh my wife decided that she wanted to do quail and so we're just setting her all up we're gonna uh the pens get in well they were supposed to get in today but they're getting in tomorrow and then we're gonna get 100 quail on next week on monday or tuesday of next week and we're gonna use them uh as for me uh, and eggs. eggs, and there's obviously some uh, other things that can be done with them. There's, I'm gonna buy some for some training purposes. I bet you, uh, Chris yeah. here is gonna be buying some for some training purposes. Yeah. How how big is a quail egg versus a chicken egg? A quail egg is about one fourth the size of a chicken egg, and it tastes just about the same. So a quail will produce, they're pretty cool animals, actually. They'll and you're produce, not getting um, the California quail, you're getting j- Japanese quail. Courtnox. Courtnox. Courtnox quail, which is Japanese quail. It's kind they of an ugly looking quail. Really. It is not an attractive bird. It looks like <laughs> um, a, the hen bird of 
it, it kind of reminds me of the, like a hen pheasant, but like shrunk down and squashed. Yep. Yep. And then ruffled up a little bit. <laughs> and then so you, spent some time in the trailer park. You're getting eggs and then uh, selling them for guys that want to train dogs. And then you're going to uh, butcher some up then too. Yeah. One of the nice things is I've been reading that you can use, say, when you, whenever you butcher your quail, or usually just, I usually just breast them out, and so the rest of the bird can be ground up for dog food. And, uh, I was telling these guys about that. I, I read that they, dogs absolutely love it, and uh, the quail is a really clean bird as opposed to like a chicken that has uh, salmonella and there's some E. coli. So uh, you feed scare. it raw. And you eat, feed them raw. Uh, so most of the guys we have on here have some type of like bird dog. What kind of dog do you have, Jess? French bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I retrieve for the well, ladies. He retrieves. Great. He yeah. retrieves great. He'll steal that duck right out of Penny's <laughs> mouth and, and not prance in front of her and be like, "Yeah." Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fun dog. He'll go swimming in the water for it too. He yeah. he would retrieve oh. just like like he would if you were hunting. You'd only have to hunt about like a forty yard radius around your house though. Right? Yeah. So when you <laughs> say use the rest for dog food, you're talking everything. The entire rest of the carcass except for the wings from the like that first joint down. So the oh. flight wing the flight wings. You just clip that off, but the rest of the wings, feet, feathers and all, feathers, beak, you know, feet and all, like a McDonald's chicken nugget. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. And then you just put it in the meat grinder, crunchy and, nugget, and then you freeze it and bring uh, it out for food. Uh, turn it out for food. Do you know if it, <clears throat> like, you know, depending on the weight you're supposed to feed your dog, so many cups, is there a different amount that you have to feed Hobbs? I don't have any. Any idea Hobbs is, on that? Hobbs yeah. is his dog. Hobbs, yeah. Uh, he eats currently a lot of eggs, so we'll probably continue to feed him eggs and, and a certain portion. Uh, but we'll see how that works. And you guys have been feeding Hobbs not just regular kibble for quite some time because he farts a lot. Yeah. We keep, <laughs> <laughs> we keep Hobbs... Uh, on basically a homemade dog food diet. And his dog food augmented. looks delicious most of the time. Like you would have no problem getting eating on it. that and eating it. <laughs> yeah. He's a lot of squash, chicken. Mm. Lots of chicken. Chicken eggs. Yeah. It looks, it's good looking food. Yeah. Hmm. Is, um, so how long will like a hundred quail last you? And is it mostly for like self-sustaining farming for your family or is it? So the quail, we're getting 25 adults, which are in a four breeding sets of, uh, of five. Or, you know, we're getting 25. Let me see five. Let me see six. 14. <laughs> Excuse me, we're getting 24. So uh, four sets of six, and um, those will be laying eggs, about 300 eggs a year. So... Um, and then there's males in there, so they'll be fertile eggs. And so we'll be able to eat those eggs right away. The rest of the birds are going to be day-olds. And this is our first time, so we're expecting to keep about 80% of those. And we'll raise those up, and the males will we'll go ahead and butcher. Um, you know, 
be able to keep one for every five females. Um, but then we'll go ahead and keep butchering whenever we can uh, raise up enough of the younger birds to keep our pen full. So right now, we're not exactly sure how many birds will fit in our pen, but it'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of um, a maximum of 160. So this will be basically like a that's starter. A big, that's a big covey. How big is this pen? It's really small. It's about the size of two refrigerators. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or a hundred. Wow. They're just small. They're like the size They're, of this room. No. The, well, the, the quail, the hutch, you know, is in a dedicated uh, building at yeah. the size of this room. Mm -hmm. But they don't need much space. Um, oh. There's a lot of information out there, but I've... That's why I can't tell you exactly how many birds we're going to do. Oh, but they say that you can put around a two birds per square foot. Two oh, wow. yeah. So I just inherited um, oh, some yeah. chickens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I might have found my loophole to keeping the birds at the house. My wife is not a fan of chickens, and she believes they'll peck your eyes out. But with the house we got, it's going to have chickens that come with the house they stay they have to stay in the house <laughs> yeah. so i get chickens for a little while but we'll see how long that lasts but then when the last chicken leaves you buy some quail buy some quail there we go well you know guy i know guy no, like, i'm excited there you go. <laughs> i think off it, of the chicken's heads <laughs> i'm real excited about uh transporting them you know live and uh you know sharing them with friends and family and everything else and i love the taste of quail and uh, they're kind of fun, you know, you eat them like popcorn or something like that yeah. almost, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but the idea of eating four of them is just pretty good. They make pretty good fun. bone broth, too. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. There's all kinds of stuff you can do with the, the carcass without, besides just feeding them to animals or whatnot. Mm -hmm. You sh uh, schnitzeled the last ones I had at your uncle's place. Yeah, they were good. I went on a, a schnitzel kick. Yeah, you did. I schnitzeled the shit everything. everything. I gained about <laughs> 10 pounds. You schnitzeled about a month and a half. There's a restaurant in Spokane that just frequents. The Steinhouse. That they schnitzel things. Oh, I've never been there. You gotta go Where's there. That it's over by Maple Street. It's on Francis. Francis. Francis and Maple. It's by that Rosars there. Oh, okay. The Steinhouse. They got German Steinhouse. beers and they schnitzel everything. Sounds good. Pounded and fried. That sounds yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to go. <laughs> sounds like my type of establishment. I went, yeah. So I had been talking to Jess. I was like, hey, you got this, this place by, kind of by your house. we so, got to try this out. Go ahead. When you're done with your thing. All I'm right. Gonna, so we got we, we to try this course. out. But uh, like, it's, we got, and then like a week later, Jess was like, I was there. And I had schnitzel. I'm going back every week. Fuck me here. And then, all right, we're going to rewind her back to where we were talking about. You oh, yeah. are, pro you haven't shot your, your deer yet. So you, this is like your first deer. Oh, yeah. Okay, so uh didn't really do much uh, big game hunting uh, growing up. I went out a few times and was unsuccessful, but... I shot my first and only deer with a close friend, Mark Grigsby. Uh, it was just a really kind of fun hunt. We went out, um, you know, early in the morning again, 
and just being an adult when I was really young. Um, but I did a full day of walking around trying to just, uh, I guess, tramping through the woods on uh, fire roads. And right when we got back to the truck, we saw a deer, I mean, within sight of the truck. <laughs> and I just raised up and really got a perfect shot, just a lucky, I guess, shot. And mm. just dropped it dead as, dead as could be. So it's interesting because when, when you were talking about this, I was, I don't know how old I was. I was very young. And yeah. so you brought it and I was, I was very impressed. But when I saw it, you know, it had already been cleaned. Mm. And it's embarrassing to say, but I thought that Jess had like shot it in the little, little butthole. Because mm. <laughs> that's the way I figured I'd seen it because it was just like, splayed open and I and in my mind I was like that's how you shoot a deer <laughs> and for probably like two years that's what I thought I got over that but still <laughs> that's what I thought I uh, snapped up on that I was shooting my dad's pump uh, 270 it has a 3 by 9 power scope and it was a real close shot maybe maybe 50 yards maybe maybe even closer but I, I've always been the kind of person who, like, you know, sights in, and I take a breath, and then I pull the trigger. So I did that, and the guy that was hunting with me goes, pull the trigger! <laughs> right when I was about to pull the trigger, I <laughs> pull the trigger! And then I, it was kind of funny, because I thought he was going to shoot my deer. <laughs> he would have, too. He probably would If you <laughs> wouldn't have, like, he was loaded up and ready oh. when he said pull the trigger, and uh, he... He's probably like I don't know for sure, but he probably would have been the guy that would have shot it and said, "Hey, put your tag on it. Put it in my yeah. freezer." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a, it was awesome, and uh, so he you know taught me how. And I had buck fever. I, I, you know, got I remember I got done and uh, I got to got it out. First time I've ever been around that much. You know, when you when you around your first large game animal and you're gutting yeah. it out the smell I can remember it just to this day there's a lot more going on yeah my hands are warm I don't have any idea but I got not a cut but I got a scratch on my hand it's kind of something that happens when your drones all pumping mm -hmm. it, was, it was fun I remember that when I got my first buck and was Phil dressing it and you get your hands all bloody we didn't wear gloves or anything and so I was kind of looking at my uncle. He was with me and my dad, and to like, what do I do with my bloody hands? How do I clean them off? And he said, "Well, just clean them off in the snow, you know." And he he already did that. Whatever. Mm -hmm. I remember that snow being so cold. It's probably the first time I actually had wa like washed my hands off in the snow. And like that, like out of that experience, I think I, that like I rem remember that the most. Like just my hands freezing after you had cleaned the really mm -hmm. like like that warm animal. And then, yeah, you wash your hands off in the snow, you're like, ah, it's freezing. Yeah, it's a really, you know, intimate uh, experience, because mm -hmm. you're, like, all up. And then they got to get it back to the truck, you know, six steps or something. <laughs> <In my laughs> Real rough. Yeah. <laughs> but still, you know, first time I've ever picked up a deer. You know, I see them all running around, but it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Then this year... Must have shot it on like a few. Yeah, <laughs> well, we, with we heard that. Yeah, we heard that. Well, don't get there yet. Okay. So, okay, so you're out of high school and you're you haven't done very much stuff, but then you get to North Carolina where you start doing 
outdoors kind of stuff again. You're kayaking, you're fishing, and you're doing cool stuff. And this is, you know, this is where I have I have a lot of memories about Jess because, you know, this is when I I start really having memories about stuff. Okay. So you've done you did some really cool stuff there, and I was I did some yeah. of it with you and. Go ahead and talk about some of the, like, so the saltwater stuff. And well, that North stuff. Carolina, you know, I was really into kayaking specifically. But I did do um, some uh, saltwater fishing when I was there. Um, and I got the opportunity to do some uh, duck hunting with a few buddies. But I think once we got down to Florida... Did you have to get a out-of-state or what no, was it with when you're the, in the military? military? Wherever you go... Um, as long as you have orders, you get in-state licenses. Okay. Plus, oh. you get Washington State licenses nice. as a state resident. So. So you don't have to buy out of state license for wherever you're stationed. Wherever you're stationed, right? Gotcha. And and you could also hunt back. And I can always back hunt home. back here. Yeah. Very cool. With state. With, That's with cool. State license. I mean, I, I I would hope that, that I, yeah. I didn't know. Well, I always got great. I mean, you know, when I was in the military, I always got, well, I still am in the military, but I always got really great, you know, discounts on um, hunting and fishing licenses. Mm-hmm. And North Carolina and Florida were no <clears throat> different. They did a great job. So was it North Carolina uh, that we were doing the cast netting for, like, the uh, the squid? and? Oh, like... I totally forgot about that. But, yes, that was North yeah. Carolina. That was um, a great memory of mine. and. So go ahead. I don't know how you oh, learned about it. I, I, I can it's talk great. about that. Yeah, that's great. So. It's, it's, it's such a cool way of fishing. And yeah. the, I don't know how many times you went, but when I went, it was pretty efficient. It was awesome. It's totally efficient. I completely forgot about it. So we lived along the intercoastal waterway, um, which is just a really amazing uh, water feature. That is that brackish water? Is that what that is? It's brackish water. Yeah. And uh, basically, there's a barrier island just off the coast. And in most areas, it's not very, not very big. It just looks like a little river. Um, and we would go fishing for shrimp along that intercoastal waterway frequently. Uh, it's mm. funny, I don't remember. I didn't even mention that. Uh, but you go out and you just learn how to toss it, just like shooting a, a bow or any other sport. And you load the net with the weights on the end of the net and mm-hmm. toss it out there and. You know, the the deal with the with for me for cast netting is find a good place, get good at casting, and then just cast all night long. And uh, we fill five gallon buckets up with shrimp. Yeah, shrimp. and it didn't take long. Um, it, I mean, it took a couple throws, but I I figured out how to throw that net. Yep. And you want it to obviously you want it to go in a like because it's a circle. You want it to get as wide as it can yep. when it hits the water. And then you wait a little bit, and you just like tug it in, in, and the uh, the rope lifts up yep. and can pulls in whatever you got. So it's just a series of lead weights around in a circle yep. Yep. on the outer edge of a of a net, and with the drawstring in the center that goes to the around the uh, weights. Oh, and we caught shrimp and squid and I, fish, I, I, all kinds of all stuff. kinds of stuff. You oh. know, when you're cast netting, it's only legal to keep the shrimp, but. You know, we didn't catch a whole lot of big fish anyway, so it didn't matter. But the squid, I thought, was pretty cool. I don't know. Oh yeah, there was all kinds of bioluminescence. Yeah. The squid, and I'm not even sure what else was, but you'd throw the. We ate the, all the. It was tasted so good. Oh, it was terrific. It, it was so was good. I, that's one of the things I remember so much about, like North Carolina, 
is the how fresh those dang shrimp were. It was like they were like candy. They were so sweet, and they mm-hmm. were just, we just boiled them, like nothing yep. crazy, and they were just like boil them or do them like scampi. Yeah, they were the best yeah. thing ever. The other thing we did when when we were down there is you could catch uh, the little fish on the and the uh, on the inside of the break. And then you use those for live bait oh, with bait the cast fish? net. So you could use those for bait fish, which <clears> was really a good way of setting yourself up to catch oh, so a lot you of catch fish. the bait with the, <clears> with the cast, cast net, net. And then you have a bucket. So once you had your bucket of bait, what, what did you um, fish for? Like, what, or how, well, how and... I always had to have the book. But uh, I think that my, you know, my favorite fish was the ladyfish. And we always fly fishing for the ladyfish. Mm. Just to get this. You ever seen a uh, Chinese um, finger trap? It's like an expanded piece of plastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the fly was pretty big. It was almost the size of a quarter, and it was made out of that expanded uh, plastic with the lead eyes. And we fished for ladyfish, and uh, they really reminded me of catching a large, very aggressive trout. They will t- would take the line and just whizz, and you're. It's not as fancy as when you're going for bonefish, and they say it t- sounds like ripping paper. Yeah. But they run hard. Hmm. Yeah, and they're a good sized fish. I mean, you can get them probably eighteen inches or something like that, mm-hmm. and they're not, not for eating. Uh, not in my experience mm-hmm. at all, but they were super fun to catch, and yeah. uh, we catch them in, usually in the tidal waters during uh, uh, when the um, tide was going out at, like in the inlets mm-hmm. um, we'd go along where the sand was going out mm-hmm. just tons of fun and you get to you get out in the surf you know with fly rod and everything and that was pretty fun too just getting the opportunity to kind of fish a little different than everybody else mm-hmm. there go. they all looked at you weird though Nobody right. else was doing that. And they're right. probably catching more fish than you. Was well, there... I don't know about more, but they definitely were taking more fish on. I more, mean, you could more, fish for all. Or eating yeah. fish. Or eating fish. But even, we don't always keep all the fish. A lot of people would always take them off our hands, the whatever around that we're fishing. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, we're so did you just bring your fly rods from here? And no, I got, a, there? I got an eight weight because up here I never had a... My my last fly rod that I had here, I broke like the summer I left to join the military. So I didn't have a fly rod until I got an eight weight specifically for that with saltwater reel. I was gonna um, ask you, how is the saltwater on the equipment? Is it pretty corrosive, or do you have equipment that was meant for it? I bought purpose built, you know, specific equipment. Um, for you can it. use any eight weight rod as long as it has stainless steel eyelets. Yeah. yeah. But your rod, your reel has to be... Yeah. Mine is not a saltwater rod, but it is an 8-weight, and it held up fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually bought a, a guide's um, loaner rod. He was um, a great guy. He was a great guy. Uh, we the rod went to that fly missed. shop, I don't know how many times. Well, yeah. I paid for the rod three times over with the flies I bought there, but... <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, sure, have the fly rod. <laughs> well, how this many... Guy did, did you talk about how many times you tried to catch a redfish? No, I didn't get the opportunity. <laughs> so I bought the rod specifically because I wanted to catch a redfish. 
on a fly rod, and they're like notoriously hard to catch. And I put my hours in, and I never caught one. You drop the fly right down, just right, you know, and drag it over its head, or it doesn't matter. You, they just never, they never bit. Hmm. Cut way more, way more blue crabs than than any redfish. Oh yeah. Blue crabs snagging. Mm. You're like, oh, you bring it in. Just hanging on to it. Blue crab. Well, Freaking you know, you hook their fin. Got a couple like flatfish that way, and oh yeah, there's, but, yeah. There was one day that um, we were out there. Uh, Jess, Jake and I were fishing that morning. Jess came back and we, we had some crabs that we had snagged. Oh, and uh, Jess was like, oh, yeah, check it out. And he like kind of flipped. I, I was going to tell him how to, you know, pick crab up. Yeah. So I'm pick this crab up. This, cook him up for you. This, this is probably why I was scared about picking crabs oh. up the way you guys were teaching me. This thing ninjas backwards, grabs Jess's finger, and he goes, ow, 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 ow. <laughs> and then he just takes the crab that I'll never forget, but just like rips it off. But the claw's still yep. connected to it. They stay pinched. So then I just took the claw. <laughs> and he took the claw and just ripped it. Still pinched. And he was like, I'm going to go back to work. <laughs> uh, yep. And uh, I went back to work and came back and we ate those crabs. <laughs> Damn crab. Yeah, that was one of those probably one of those really rough days for you. When I came home from work and you'd already been done for I mean, fishing. For, fishing. Yeah, it was it was on that same. And Jake was asleep. He slept a lot. Yeah, Jake sleeps a fair amount. But let's see. And then uh, moved to Florida, oh, and yeah. I got a nineteen foot boat that was really prepped to go out in the uh, salt water. And me and my kids. All started doing some uh, saltwater fishing, and we really enjoyed halibut fishing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, to this day, it's probably one of my favorite ways of fishing uh, in saltwater. So we get live live bait, and you'd rig it up, and you just drop it down to the bottom, you know, and then just let your boat drag over the yeah. top of the uh, sand. Um, uh, what do you call them? Flats. Flats. And gosh, we caught fish as big as my kids. I've got pictures of my kids holding fish up with their are head they, on the are ground. Are they the same halibut you would catch up here? Uh, they're they're very similar, but they're uh, they they taste a whole lot different. There's different than the ones you catch up in Alaska. Mm-hmm. But the same, you can catch the same ones here in Washington as we catch down there. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my wife really enjoyed catching the halibut as well that was a lot of fun how was it learning to fillet a halibut oh man i, I haven't, no. haven't butchered one up ever i never have my dad has a lot I seen, have. i've seen plenty of videos <laughs> i've never watched one so i uh i brought it out in the you know backyard and probably the same way that anybody does it nowadays there's there was youtube by the time i was having halibut yeah. fishing, so yeah i just got on youtube and just uh Broke it down the, the way they did. The interesting thing about the halibut is the big ones uh, all had worms. Yeah. And so, um, you know, try to get the most of the worms out and then you How freeze do you do it. it? Well, just by eye. And then you freeze the meat and we always cooked it. Uh, you have to cook, freeze it for three days and it should kill all parasites. Oh. And then you just cook it uh, that, that, you know, well. 
To 160 degrees. Yeah, 160 degrees, and you just end up eating the parasites just like the rest of the fish. <laughs> just but, like a chicken McNugget. Just like a chicken McNugget. <laughs> just like a chicken McNugget. <laughs> you know, they, well, it might not be as good to taste it as your halibut you get yeah. from Alaska, but it was it was a really fun, you know, fishing experience. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Florida trips I did with you um was when we went out to a reservoir to kind of look for gators. Because oh you were gosh. thinking about going fishing for gators before you were going on a trip, or on a, uh, right before you went on a tour. I forgot about that. Too. And we were... Gator hunt? Yeah, it's so I got my trapper's license. Oh. In Florida, you got to get your trapper's license. So I get my trapper's license. Then you can get... You have to draw tags, just like any other, you know, tag that, you know, there's a lottery... You get oh, there's a lot higher you know probability in certain areas. So mm-hmm. I drew two tags, got my trapper's license. Andy and Jake and I scouted a couple places. It was crazy. We were out there in kayaks, <laughs> pedaling around. Uh, Jess, we 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 had uh, Jake and I had like big knives, and Jess had Jess had a, a gun, a, a pistol, and a knife. And we're out there, and. We saw plenty of gators, but there was only one that made me super nervous because it went under the water and there was a wake behind it <laughs> that moved the kayak. It was not like, a, you know, we're not talking about any kind of small animal. This was a huge... This was a monster. <laughs> alligator, and it had really moved water just like any watercraft uh that you might You're a little nervous oh yeah and i think i think jess was probably nervous for all of us because he was the only one with a pistol and he probably like looked at me like and i was sitting over here with like his big old eyes like <laughs> every person out there had every muscle Uh, And I think shortly after the monster dinosaur that went underneath our kayaks, we we probably went home. Well, we spent a whole day. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, that was was an interesting experience. Found him. Let's go. And it was funny because earlier this year we were out at a, 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 we were at a potholes reservoir. And there was all kinds of these drag marks. And I said to Alex, I was like, there's gators in here! <laughs> I'm like, I don't think it's a gator. They, they, were, they were beavers. <laughs> they still look like gators, so... <laughs> so long story short, uh, that's the whole story because I unexpectedly deployed. Uh, I think it was like two weeks before the season started. Mm. And uh, eventually got in a little bit of trouble with the Florida Fish and Game because I never... Uh, sent back the tags, oh. and so they said I couldn't hunt there. Uh, for I couldn't my trapper's license. That was mm. part of the deal. Is I either had to um, tag an alligator or send him back. But I I just packed him up, and so I lost my tag, um, my um, trapper's license for a year. I did contact and let them know what happened, and they said I could just send in a, a letter. But uh, I was leaving anyway, so it didn't end up happening. So. Um, before we kind of move on of Florida stories, we had tore on a few, few podcasts ago and we talked about a pig hunt Mm -hmm. and there are two sides of this (laughs) coin. 
So I, I'd like to hear your rendition of pig hunting Florida with uh, knives. So, um, Tor is a childhood friend of mine, became a family friend, and uh, Jake was living with me at the time. That's my our, our middle brother. And so he came over and visited, and I contacted a guiding service that uh, had a bunch of private land and hunted with dogs, and they uh, encouraged uh, hunting with any legal, you know, weapon that, that you wanted to hunt with. So when we contacted them, I let them know that I wanted to hunt with a knife, and I had... Randall Made, which is a Florida knife maker, uh, who pretty famous company. They made a bunch of knives for a lot of presidents during Vietnam and uh, since then. I had one of their knives, and uh, my buddy Tor had a specific, I think it's called the Hog Hunter by Alaska. We talked Ooh. about it, yeah. Alaska knives. <laughs> Boar Hunter. Boar Hunter. <laughs> Anyways, we contacted him and set up a... a a guided hunt, first and only guided hunt I've ever been on, and we made the trip down, down south, somewhere around south of Orlando. We were up in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, the three of us, Jake went with us uh, as a non-hunter, but they allowed uh, guests, and they guided us with two or three dogs. We, sh we showed up, and one of these trucks that you sit up real high on, like a mud truck mm -hmm. of some sort. Almost like sitting on top of the top of a suburban, mm -hmm. and we drove through their property as the dogs all fanned out and hunted, and the, the guy, you know, did the did his deal and managed the dogs. Um, Was there a lot of calls, or he just let the dogs run? He followed the dogs, so the dogs went. Basically, um, the dogs hunted. Um, he wasn't sending commands, mm -hmm. uh, except for when they got on a on. A, on the hogs and uh then he just encouraged and as far as i could tell he just encouraged them to hunt mm -hmm. the, the the dogs or the, uh, the hogs anyhow they ended up getting on a on a hog probably within the first it was less less than an hour and we were on a hog and dog went down there and pinned it we, I chased it through the woods a little bit because the, the buggy couldn't go everywhere. And uh, at the time, I brought that same 45 because I didn't really know what to think because you watch a lot of these uh, YouTube videos and there's like 1,000-pound hogs. So I did you didn't know what they're going to have waiting for you. I didn't know what I was going to show up on. Uh, you know, hunting dogs sometimes are just little scrawny dogs and these weren't any, you know, they weren't all that big and they had lost their main hunting dog that previous week so i was a little bit more you know concerned anyways the dog had it pinned just one dog one dog had this this there I, there was two dogs i believe hunting with us but this one dog had it pinned down i went over and slayed it um i was i was really surprised at how quickly the animal died i thought it was actually pretty humane and uh i was more concerned about the dog um, than anything else at that point. Mm -hmm. This is not a small knife that he's using either. No, that's not like a Tor's knife that he's talking about is like a two, one and a half inch blade. 
Jez's knife that he was using is like a three and a half inch blade, like what, what width wise? Not like oh. if you, if width. you want to know what it looks <laughs> like. Jez is using a broadsword. I'm like Andrew, that's a tiny knife. No, Jez is using a broadsword, and Tor's using like like a like a little like kit like kitchen knife, and Tor's or Jess is putting in like a stop sign in this. <laughs> if anybody wants to look up and see what I was hunting with, it's a Randall made model fourteen. Their combat. Uh, knife and it is truly a combat knife that you could probably trust your life with. It is uh, a is a beefy it's knife. A very very robust. Knife. Anyways, it it cut. I I was surprised that the knife went through the ribs. Um, it cut through them like there was nothing there. Probably was, like five or six of them because your knife is so much. Doris said he cut through three, and your knife is so much wider. So I can only imagine. Is that it? That's it? Yeah. Does yours have the finger down, welds? Yeah. Second down on the left. This nope, one here? Next no. one to the left. This one? Oh, right there. Yeah. Nice. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't take that hand, knife out of your hand. Yeah. Um, and uh, Randall Made is an amazing knife company. They, they started out, they're one of the first knife companies that were making handmade knives in, in the United States. Um, well, as, a, as like a big, like... Big company, right? I mean, uh, plenty of places that were making. Well, it wasn't actually as popular making handmade knives hmm? back then. No, mm -hmm. there were very few people making handmade knives mm -hmm. when Randall Made started doing it, and um, and they 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 made just really high quality uh, custom made knives. They still do it, and they they do a great thing. If for you the don't military. buy a used knife for Randall Made, you gotta wait. Well, it depends on the model, but you can you can wait. I believe that some of the models are up to five years. Yeah. But if you're in the military, wow. I got mine in their their combat models in a couple of months. Oh, okay. His dad waited like three, four years for one of yeah. his knives. Yeah, oh. he did. He got the Trail Blazer, which is a beautiful skinning knife. And he now has two of. He has a the trout, trout is it bird and trout knife as well? I don't know, but he, he has the Trail Blazer for sure. Well, we got that oh. other one in an auction, and I forget what the name of that one was. But you, mm. you took some um, outlines of it to make a couple of your own. I did. I it's used... a beautiful shaped knife. It is. When and you know we haven't really talked about it too much on our pad podcast, but there's a little bit of uh, forging that happens in my family, and I have no problem saying that Jess is probably the best at it, and he also has the most tools to do it. <laughs> and he uh, he he's he's made some beautiful knives in the past, and I know that now you're retired, you're probably going to make some, some I more am. beautiful knives. Mm -hmm. I uh, I really love making knives. Uh, I love the joinery between the metal and the um, the handle material. And I hate that part. I really like the <laughs> the the you know the design of a knife and the you know you have to be a little bit of science in there you know metallurgy to make it hard and work well mm -hmm. um and i really am excited i actually set my shop up since i uh, i recently tore my acl and had surgery and i'm i've spent some time getting my my forging area set after up. you got to get up out of bed yeah, I heard it was like a crazy skiing accident that you had. Yeah, crazy. I was skiing with my <laughs> wife on a blue. <laughs> it was on the bunny hill, and uh, uh, I, you know, I you know, it, it really humbled me because you can get hurt 
it just reminded me that you know you can get hurt anywhere. I didn't expect. I had no idea I'd get hurt. And <laughs> well, you've skied a long time. I feel I felt like I was very I was in a comfortable safe place and I fell over and injured myself. I still was in denial. I got up and skied down the mountain and thought, oh, you know, it's just a little tiny thing. But by the time I got to the um, to the parking lot, I knew I had made a pretty spectacular <laughs> mistake. So, <laughs> not to get off your story too much about the hog hunt, but Andrew, prior to you moving back, you could tell it was getting pretty excited for his big brother to be home. Mm-hmm. You actually talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you hurt your your knee, he's like, just just tore his ACL. He's he's like done. He can't hang out or anything. He's like so mad. Like, uh, I, I think he'd be okay. Well, it was it was actually you know, it, it was a pretty. Uh, it set him down. It set me down. I've I've never been hurt before. To be. Really, you know, if I'm honest with myself, I've never been hurt before. So, the first real true injury, mm-hmm. uh, I've you know broken quite a few bones, um, been sat down pretty hard, uh, but this was a pretty you know life changing event. I spent the majority of January limping around or staying in the living room, and all of February doing the same, and uh, just now walking around. So, yeah, I mean, it was a long time. I mean, I haven't seen you been sat down like that ever. Yeah, I've and never... I, like you said, I was like pretty upset. <laughs> You're like, geez. Yeah, but is... recently, just he said, "Okay, I, I can go fishing this summer. It's not going to be a problem." No. So it made me happy. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm already. I spent some his, time thinking his, about the different activities. His recovery is progressed quite mm-hmm. a bit well uh, the expectation is that i'll be fully recovered in september but i feel like i could get in and out of pretty much any situation at this point so if i got in a boat i'd be fine probably not a yeah. tube <laughs> right yeah what did they do for they did they pull your hamstring or they do the patellar you know the surgery was amazing uh, i got a mri the day i had the injury um i started physical therapy for a month directly afterwards they knew that i had uh compression fractures in my femur and my tibia and i had a partial tear in my mcl and a full tear in my acl um right away they went in they gave me the option of uh um oh man a cadaver uh tendon that they would use to replace the uh ligament and i went with that um they, you got dead person in you? Dead yes. person in you. Well, you Did know you what name I, it? Well, you Kyle. know, I thought about this a lot. My um, Being in the medical field, uh, I get the opportunity to um, talk to people about being a donor. And I, my, my wife's mother was a donor, and she passed away, and she donated her, you know, whatever people could use of, of her body. And, boy, I really appreciated that. Cadavers, uh, tendon, because... They didn't have to harvest my hamstring. That's mm-hmm. what they would have done. And uh, at my age, there's no real benefit of harvesting the hamstring. Yeah, it's just more pain um, and possible, you know, infection at the surgical site. So I went with the cadaver uh, tendon 
they drill a hole right in the femur, and then another hole right in the uh, tibia, <laughs> and they just kind of, you know, plug the tendon in both sides. I know that's dumbing it down, but that's what they do, and then... I'm an organ donor. Oh, that's good, yeah. I'm an organ donor. Yep. yep. I All four it. in the room? Yep. I figure with my, um, a lot of my activities, I might be a good candidate. Take a domer or something and get your whole, the whole body left. Yep. Yeah. Where are you going your, your, to get your head smashed? Who knows? I don't know. I play rugby, skiing. You can hike around hunting and... Oh. Yeah, I like, a, you like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, yeah, that's absolutely the best. Is those those ones? Are uh, <laughs> <laughs> you serious? Bring yeah. a donor, you can't harvest the brain. <laughs> Keep those eyes fresh, but not the brain. Yeah, okay. That's funny, but true. I mean, yeah. it's, it's 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 literally true that you know all the body takes care of their organs the best, better than anything else, and they plan that way they can. They can make decisions ahead of time, and uh, the person who has to do the harvesting has more of of those organs, has more time to prepare, and uh, you know more you know benefit your body has for other people. Mm-hmm. All right, back to hunting. Okay. <laughs> we fast forward Where to this year. No, what? I thought we didn't finish the hog story. Oh, we didn't. Do was wrap up the hog story, finished this year, and then was moved to some fishing stuff. So we're we're gonna we're gonna fast forward from because he uh, well wait okay, do the hog story then we're gonna do this year hunting. Okay, well um, that was pretty much done. So we, we harvested the 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 first hog, um, and uh, like I said, it was a very intimate you know situation because it was with a knife. Very close. Very close, you know, and then. Uh, Tor harvested one, and uh, the we were we were sitting there, and you know it was they they brought us back to their I, I would say lodge, and they were really set up to go ahead and uh, butcher the animal. We had them field dress our uh, hogs at that time, and then we took them home to. A certain portion of the processing at the house we took tours and completely um skinned the skull oh i didn't know and that. uh that was that was a quite the event you know it took a significant amount of time i've done that with a couple deer i've never done it with a pig before yeah there was a it, it, it did not want to give up its its hide so we Hot, you know, skinned it out. It was really heavy. <laughs> I couldn't mm-hmm. believe how much the hide on that thing weighed. Really? Was it? Oh yeah. So oh. is it is it because of the fat on the animal? You think? I I don't know, but they it had a really thick hide. So comparative to a deer, uh, like oh, you're like, like two like, or three times as thick. Okay. Yeah, it was really, really thick, and and then uh, you know especially. On its head, it was just like a, hmm. you know, a solid quarter inch. Now, did you did you end up sticking the a boar or a sow? Do you know? I don't know. I okay. have no idea. Gotcha. It was not. Um, both of our pigs were not what you would say mature adults. They were, you know, if anything, no maybe, bigger than Penny. They were about the size of Penny. They were the size of a you know. 
and his small lab uh, would say that they 50 were, pounds. They were, you know, more bulk, same height and whatnot, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe quite, maybe, maybe uh, 70 pounds, but not much bigger than Penny. So from pig hunting, we're going to fast forward to this year. To this year. Uh, were you hunted in Washington for the first time in 20 years? Long time. No, because we went we went pheasant hunting a couple times before then. But the first time in a while. Yeah. You know, I got the opportunity to do some upland with my Uncle Larry uh, and Andy. And it was absolutely awesome. So much fun. So much fun. It was, you know, being away from that and always really enjoying it before and then coming back to it i could not describe how much fun i had i got the opportunity to shoot a couple quail i got a brand new shotgun oh yeah yeah oh, it yeah. was a it's a what is it it's a beretta over yeah. under onyx um it's like a boy i can't remember the name but it's a, a beretta over yeah. under i thought it was an onyx no you just it, bought that this last year it's like it? a sporting oh yeah okay yeah. Yeah, he got it as a... Yeah, I remember. It was a, it was a gift. I remember when he bought it. For, for, when he got it. Retiring. It was a yeah, retirement yeah. gift for my parents. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... I think... I'm not sure that this is the first time I've ever got to experience this, but I got to shoot a grouse. Um, pheasant. Or, yeah, pheasant. Thank you. Uh, there was... Over a dog. And mm-hmm. tell the dog to go ahead and get it up. And it was just a picture-perfect scenario, and, uh, you know, it was pretty awesome. I really enjoyed it. We were over there in the Grand Coulee area. I didn't get a witness that. Uh, I wish I would have been, but it was cool, because I heard the shot, and I just saw Jess trip-dropping over to me, and he's like, hey, put this in your vest. Oh, yeah, I don't have it. <laughs> kind of like we were talking to Alex earlier. Sometimes it's all right not to have your own gear. <laughs> Yeah, you chuck it around. Yeah. That well, first day we went was uh, with uh, my uncle was just such an awesome day, cause we were hunting in this it's this great it's great hunting property that had these really low sagebrush that is not high sagebrush so but re- you know probably hip height. So every quail co- covey that flushed, you were able to get a shot on it. And no, it, was true. it was just fantastic, and I remember. Uh, I remember just being out there and like listening for shots to see if Jess had shot one. It was really cool. It was a, a great hunting spot. Yeah. There's some of those rolling hills too. So, you know, there's a lot of fast shots when you're quail hunting, but uh, there was some, it was a good hunting area. And I remember you were taking some shots that were like, you know, Oh, acre, uh, hundred <laughs> yards out. He was sniping them. I was and then they died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With your Benelli? Oh, with oh the, yeah. He was out there shooting him with the Benelli. I told you guys, I, yeah. I like had this, like, my heart was beating hunting with my Uncle Larry because I didn't want to shoot bad, <laughs> and I was just dropping birds. You have to shoot far with that gun because last time I watched you shoot a quail with that gun, you did it, like, at 10 yards, and there was nothing but a couple, like, the wings. We found yeah. a wing. Dust and wing. Yeah, that was le- that was left for this bird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're if you're quick on the gun, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Happens. When you're that good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> at shooting, you just sometimes you just have to let them go a little further. I don't know what to tell you. 
Quail hunting. All right, so moving on to fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I, did that one I really can't, year. like, say one way or the other because I did terrible this year. Andrew had a really good season, so. Yeah, yeah, you can't I'm say that. That's true, you can't say that. I wouldn't want to wish upon you a poor shooting season next year or anything. Yeah, don't wish that. Please. <laughs> yeah, don't shoot your new shotgun. Only use one shotgun. That's you true. You won't have any problems yeah, at all. Yeah, that's very true. I'll use my Vanilli and my other For one. For everything. It's just going to be... Yeah. I, there's, a great, there's a great quote that's, fear the man with one gun. <laughs> and it's true. I should not use my new shotgun. <laughs> Ever. Practice it. Ever. <laughs> I'll stop shooting that gun in July. And then the rest of the time, shoot the vanilla. <laughs> well, just before acts, before we go on, there's one last little piece of this, uh, I guess, hunting situation or you know, story. We actually are going to go. We're looking at the last weekend of April, um, and shoot some sporting clays. Mm, you talked to Dad about that. Yeah. Awesome. So we're we're looking at the last. I'm bringing weekend my of April. And uh, we're shooting sporting clays. I've never shot sporting clays. Um, with my leg, I guess they have a electric golf cart. So, oh, solid. Uh, I guess I probably won't. I don't. I'm not exactly sure what kind of handicap everybody's going to be expecting from me. But uh, we'll be, you know, golf carts and shotguns. Oh, awesome. And it's I drive by the place on a regular basis out by my house. And it's. Just beautiful. I've talked to you upland. guys about yeah, this place a couple that. times. Yeah. Upland area. And uh, so we're going to take, uh, right now we're looking at, I think, six or seven people. So it's yeah. kind of ex- excited about Am that. Am I included? Yes. Okay. You're defaulted. You're yeah, you're defaulted. defaulted. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I hadn't heard about that we were looking at the last week of April. So, no. so I was, just had to ask. I've done that, those types of shoots one time. Yeah. Where you this one you, you you walked, but it was all different. You know, there were some ground ones. There was one flying at you across, down and away. You know, it was all sorts of you know, different flights. And we have to start shooting shotguns now, Chris. Yep. We gotta get ready. <laughs> we were uh, a couple weekends ago. We were all at my parents' house, and uh, my daughter brought her boyfriend, which my daughter's seventeen years old, so it's something that happens. And uh, we all got to, all the guys got to go out and shoot a little trap. And we were shooting, my my father has a, over another, under 20 gauge. And boy, it was kind of fun. It's kind of interesting to see that transition. Uh, Not my favorite gun to shoot, but I shot quite a few clays. I think we all did. Uh, I don't think anybody could probably shake a stick of that yeah. shotgun. It was yeah, it was a, it's a it good shotgun. It's not my favorite <laughs> for a shoot. twenty gauge. Everybody shot it really good. I really, you know, you know, big ups on uh, on his boyfriend. I really wanted to shoot way better than him. He's a good shot. He's a good shot. Nothing bad to say about him. No, there's yeah. I don't have anything. No, I don't have anything bad to say about the guy at all. <laughs> He's, right speaking there. of this guy, he like has 700 acres to hunt on. Oh. His family has like custom dugout blinds. He was talking about hmm. cooking breakfast and s- sleeping in these blinds. Well, he's and a keeper. Jess and I were both like... I guess we won't see you next year. Yeah, next he's year. a keeper. <laughs> hey, bro. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. That's funny. As that far as a, like an uncle goes, if I had to like, like intimidate, I was kind of... 
trying to be a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we, we got the opportunity to spend a week with him and my daughters and uh, did all kinds of great stuff and he was a uh, he was he was a lot of fun to be around so I hope we yeah. can see more of him yeah alright there's one more thing that we kind of planned on talking about I know we're getting a little ways into this podcast no it's fine there's no limit on this thing but uh, Jess moved into a great piece of property that him and his wife got and it is on a lake. And he, before coming here, asked me to ask you guys about a certain type of fishing, which is carp fishing with a boat. Carp shooting. Right. Which, I mean, what? if you don't care, well, I guess it's Long Lake, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Long Lake, it's big enough to where... Yeah, it don't matter. Yeah, it's a it don't matter. And you it's called Long Lake for a reason. You gotta figure it out. But um, lower Spokane. We've done a little bit of carp yeah. shooting on there. Chris yeah. has had better days than I yeah. have. Um, now the boat next to you, if you want to pick it up, we'll just real Let, quick. Yeah, let's talk about it because I, I actually wanted to talk a little bit about the halo that from the very beginning of our conversation. What's that halo? Uh, he was talking about a halo site or peep site. Was the it peep site? Halo does that site? have a peep site on it? Uh, that one does. I don't see any, okay. any got... site on here. No, you're real yeah. close most of the time. Yeah, you're and so you're shooting just in, at that one set up uh, for just instinct. Kind of like a line yeah, shooting. Line That's how mine is. Yeah. yeah, there's no no okay. sexual shooting. And that it. that bow is made by what? That bow is uh, made by Alpine Archery. Alpine, yeah, Alpine Archery. They're out of Lewiston. Um, they make an awesome bow line. Um, it's compact. I mean, this thing is, is yeah. not very. I mean, it's only like yeah, it's less than three feet across. So yeah. I haven't shot. Any carp with that bow yet? Mm-hmm. I I do like the um, compound bow, but I'm kind of we had a, um, a traditional recurve the setup recurve with that bows. same reel. Mm-hmm. That reel is what I would recommend. We yeah. I had bought a reel last year. This that, is made by Ames. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how much does a reel like that one cost? Between like ninety five and one hundred and ten, yeah. depending where you buy it from. Yeah. Damn, that's expensive. It is mm-hmm. expensive. But it's, it's worth it. So you can do that and setup. It, and your line is like stuck in a water bottle. Yeah, but that's that's the that's the setup right so there. So you can do that, or you can do I have, where I just have a spool, and you shoot it, and then you have to like hand line them in, but then you have to, if you miss, I've you, have seen to, your spool. you have to crank it on there really quick. There's that a, one, you just reel it in. There's a cheaper one that looks just like a spinning rod that you like click the back. Is that the Zebco one we were looking at? The Zebco one? Okay. Yeah. And I never, we never could get the drag set right, and so it would catch, and the line would break every yeah, time. And nice. you have to go fetch your. Yeah, uh, okay. That one, I've never had issues with it coming off on the bow we were using last year. No. The, the recurve. Yeah. So I, well, my initial question was, um, off of our dock, um, the the carp are sitting about 20, 20 yards or less. And so my question was, what kind of a bow um, would I be looking for? I would probably get, start off a cheap bow. Mm-hmm. So like just a hand-me-down recurve or something. Yeah. What about a hand-me-down compound? You, that's what you I You don't did. want a ton of poundage. I got, you turn it down. Yeah. You could turn it way down. But I think that one is should be turned down quite a bit. And yeah. it's probably like at 35 yeah. And I think all the way up, it might be at 50. Yeah. But even that, uh, I don't know how deep it is below your dock. Mm-hmm. But you, gotta, you also got to keep in mind, like, 
if that line breaks, you're going to lose your arrow. So there's plenty of depth where, you know, what I'm talking about, but uh, Long Lake has a lot of um, milfoil. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, which, later in the which, year. Yeah, which is not, I mean, this is some thick line. Yeah. But, you know, I was thinking that a, a low power bow, because when you're on a boat and you're doing kind of a weird angle, mm-hmm. um, you know, shot, I, w- I was thinking that a, a, a low power bow would be good for that. But mm-hmm. I didn't even think about it getting stuck in like a log at the bottom of the Yeah, that's. Lake. Like, a traditional bow is cool for, like, the quick shot, because, like, sometimes they'll be, like, right below you. Like, yeah. that's where a lot of the shots are. All of a sudden, it's, like, right there. And with Yo. that, you kind of yeah. have to pull all the way back, aim, and shoot. Where yeah. with the longbow, it's so instinctual. You're yeah. just, like, poof. You can go back as far as you want and let it go. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind so, of... power-wise, a recurve, I know that it's... It How just much? depends on the bow. It really depends on the I think bow. I think what we were using was like 50 pounds was full draw, fully back. But yeah, we were, pulled it. Yeah. You can feel it. You get. You can feel it. Yeah, all, like on that one, there's a let off, right? Yeah. So the cam, the cam over, and there's a let off. So you can yeah. sit there for a lot longer. Yeah. But on like a traditional bow, like as you pull it, you, that's why I said like if it's real close, you just like pull it back a, a little like halfway yeah. even and just let it go. Well, yeah. Or you, you get all the opportunity to see them as you're going along. Yeah, super close if you were yeah. up on the bow. Um, well, that's good information. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this arrow. I think it's just a solid um, fiberglass? fiberglass arrow. So there's no the flechettes, right? Nope. It just has a stop yeah, just for yeah. your and this slide. Is, and this slides so that the initial mm-hmm. acceleration doesn't yeah. isn't felt. So the the one. Safety thing I would say is that if you're like when you go to shoot, you always make sure that slide is in front of the bow, yeah, and not back behind the riser. So like when you're holding it, all your lines needs to be out in front. Why doesn't it have fletching? Doesn't need it. It doesn't need. It. You're going yeah. right in the right. water. Close. Once it hits the water, it yeah, it does yeah. it. You really twenty yard shot with. <laughs> and then the arrow, the, the, the arrow tip has like a like a field point and then a stop. If you're yeah. hitting carpet twenty yards with a bow, you're you're a good shot. You're I I don't even know if that has. It probably has twenty yards of line, but yeah. Um, well, that's good to know because it just you know because I'm interested in the sport, but I had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Chris bought like he said he bought a spool yeah. and that's it sits it's like a drum on the front yep. of the riser so it's it's uh, the line is wound like this and it's tapered out. So when you shoot, it just unravels. Yeah, and then you have to hand crank you it on. Sit there and when you miss, miss. yeah, With that one. I remember seeing those. Yeah. You know, I don't remember who made them, but they yeah. were blue. This, this yeah. one, you get yeah. so many more this. shots. Yeah, let's see. If you set this, it's your drag. Your oh. finger, so it stops it. And if you so like, I've oh, got this it's thing. It looks so like stop a, now. For the looks like some kind of. I don't even know what yeah. this is, but it's just a stopper. So if you don't hold it, it should preschool. Well, should at least. Go ahead. Yeah, pull it. It was. I think something. Yeah. Oh, it was a little bit. So if you pull back on that, Jess, you can uh, reel in. Yeah, if you pull back on that, and then so. reel in. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Nice. It's the adjust attention on it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's real simple. There's not a lot of like, no. mechanics no going on. Yeah. The one that's like the Zepco looks like a fishing reel 
like the, the drag never was set right. So you bought that and then did I bought you that and so when I, I was like, I was gonna I set both of them up different and see which one I like most. Like Is that one going with Gry? And you were all pissed because it didn't work. I think it was. Yeah. And and I, I never got another chance. I remember telling you about it. He was, and I was all like, pissed. Yeah, there's like not not that expensive general store Zebco. Mm-hmm. And you, he was I, all I, I thought you were excited. And then I remember <laughs> you being like, This piece of crap. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. He didn't hear about it. And I would honestly just like look on Craigslist. They come up every yeah. once in a while. Guys will buy them, get into them, and then they don't. They'll and sit they in the stop. garage. And, yeah. yeah. You can what was cheap. it called again? What? Ames? The Ames. The yeah. Ames Retriever Pro is They make a couple off brands. I think like Cajun something. Yeah, it zero. looks just like a water bottle stuck on your bow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably make one. It's a pretty simple little design. Yeah. Yeah. Good piece of gear. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely have to do that this yeah, year. Yeah, we're gonna have to go um, out at Jess's when. Well, since you're living on Long Lake, I bought you these today. Oh man! The bass fishing. Get some swag. Thank you. And I went to. Where'd you buy those from? Gamble's um, tackle shop. Is that by your work? Up north yeah. by the Francis, or up by the uh, Frank's Diner. Frank's Diner. The Francis. The Frank's Diner, and he sold me on those because. They're an octagon shape, and so like the competitors, a lot of them are just round. Yeah. But apparently, like so you, you can rig that up a lot of different ways. Yeah. Have you ever fished with those before? I have. Um, not with this specific. You got a bass rod at your house. Yeah. And you dropped one off. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've got a second one. So apparently it flutters differently. Yeah, it looks like as as you drop it down. Yeah. And then I, I got the four inch one. It's kind of the middle of the road. A lot of guys like the three inch for doing like a drop shot, and then a lot of guys like the bigger six inch senkos. Uh huh. So the four inch is like right in between, so you can kind of do the Texas rig where it's like weedless. I always go with the bigger worm. The wacky rig, the wacky. or like a you can shorten it up and do a drop shot. Yeah. And last time we were at Long, I I put one of those on a drop shot like a foot above the yeah. weight and caught quite a few. Mm-hmm. Huh. So that's why I picked those out. Cause I'm really excited because the guys are off our dock and they're toting that area uh, almost every day. We're down there doing chores or uh, you know just sitting there and talking. And they're ripping lifts. And they're and they're saying, "Oh, this is the place right here, best place on the lake." So I can't wait to try. Well, to bath. my yeah. mom uh, alone ended up like just throwing out some kind of like rooster spinner or something and she ended up pulling out like a three foot pike out of her that i that's no <laughs> exaggeration it literally was like a three foot pike and the more i look into it that was a huge, a huge fish pike yeah. at that in in that part of the lake mm-hmm. so yeah, they get really a big good. pike in that we've seen them before we and uh, right now actually would be a good time to go yeah. drown to smelt for yeah. pike they're starting to move into the shallows yep and same with bass. I mean, the water I don't think is all the way up, right, on Long Lake? Well, no, it's not. Um, but it's within about a foot and a half. Oh, so it's right there. Yeah, well, it has been. <laughs> it's been complete. It's been filling for a week. So I was talking to um, Bill. Maybe I, I never met the guy. Uh, Bill at the at the shop today where I got those, and he said that sometimes when, like the pre-spawn, it they'll some of the fish will go up but the bass will start to spawn and then the water will rise and they'll be like trying to spawn in 10 feet of water where they want to be in that more shallow water mm. so now that it's real close to full pool they're the males will start staging sometimes i guess mm. what's that mean 
So the males would go up and when you when you catch a bass in the spring, you see that it has like a bloody tail. That's from like fanning the beds. They'll start making the beds. And I guess the females will do it too. Mm-hmm. But the females will kind of stick, stay back in the deeper water. And then when their time to is comes up to lay eggs, they go into the shallows. And that's when you'll see them on the bed and they, they call it bed fishing. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you're targeting these fish that are getting ready to spawn. And then once the females leave, the males will come in and they'll be on the beds. And you said a lot of times the the f- people will go and they'll see a smaller bass, assume it's a male on the bed, and the female will be close by. So, like, don't pass that up because the female could be just, like, a couple feet, you know, 15 feet off and mm-hmm. come hammer. And the f- female's the bigger fish? Yep. Females are bigger. Females are bigger. And they're using stuff like that with, like, a drop shot. They'll they'll find the bed and they'll drop it right on. Just what I was interested in was that it said it had, like, a coffee Co- yeah, flavor. Coffee, coffee salt. Flavor. Yeah, so coffee this is salt. the... Um, it's the watermelon coffee salt flavor. They need yeah, a little buzz. Strike too. King KBD. Do you, does anyone know who KBD is? No. I've seen that guy before, but no. Kevin Van Dam. I've seen him before. He's he's apparently a legend. I just know that from other Sean Claude. YouTube. I've seen him before on the fishing tour there. I just, they should make like a skull flavored one. Coffee scent and salt. Watermelon. That would work. Maybe some Grizz flavored. Uh, just throw it in one of your, your packs. Over the seat, the ticket. The Ocho Five Sixteen. I mean, one of my da- my favorite stories from my dad, speaking of like these like skull flavored ones, is him talking about putting a hook through a cigarette butt like filter and like catching fish. I'm sure you could do it with a with, with like a. You know, I used to chew those uh, those pouches, those grizz pouches. You, just, you, you throw a you throw a hook in there, oh, yeah. and you put a drop shot on there. That's catching bass every day. No, that I like school. it. <laughs> yeah, I, bet, I bet some like chewed up red man would. Oh yeah. Start looking like a. Oh yeah. And before we get off of this subject, <laughs> Alex, I understand you have a boat. Yeah, I got a sixteen foot flat bottom. Yeah. So we've got a boat ramp or launch so i think you ought to take it out here and maybe possibly show me how you use these for sure he's the guy uh, these guys i can't really show you the bastards (laughs) oh yeah he was dropping this this uh this crawfish sexy craw and he was catching great the the cool thing about bass fishing was it's I think it's kind of cool. They're not using any kind of like live bait. Like the coolest thing is to use these artificial baits and you and yeah. like try and get these similar to fly fishing, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. But these ones are like these big, kind of gross looking lures. They yeah. vary up. Like to me, they look crappy, and a fly looks way more sexy. But they catch these fish. Sexy crawl doesn't. Fly but when lures. you catch a bass, they kind of just bite on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Smallmouth, they fight pretty good. Yeah, you don't catch that many, so you probably Yeah, you don't know. know. You just get started into it. Wow. You were using Kenzie's little pink pole last time, so you're just getting wow. started into it. <laughs> I got the killer right there. Got the St. Cr- the Saint right. Croix. Oh, we'll upland season's works. over, Andrew. Yep. You're in our game now. Yep. <laughs> you uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> might be right about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might, might have to shrink my pants size a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Penny's not fun. retrieving any fish. No. All right, well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll have to have you on again. Appreciate, appreciate you sitting down and talking with us. It's yeah. been a good one. You want to come back on? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay. We'll have yeah. to have a 
few more experiences, so we have something to talk yeah. about. Yeah, we, we that, left a little meat on the bones today. That, that's the that's like the most fun thi- thing is to make new friends, and then well, obviously I'm friends with you. Yeah, I'm related. But, uh, but like, bring more people in. Yeah, I I agree. Well, since you did the introductions, I think you should do the sign-off, too. All right, well, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you on another Cast from the Blind. Sweet. Awesome. Cast from the Blind. Well, I hope you enjoyed another episode of Blindcast. If you haven't already, you can follow us on Instagram at Blindcast1. Again, that's Blindcast1 on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and hope you tune in next time for another Cast from the Blind.